Volume One, Chapter Seven of Celestina. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Celestina by Charlotte Turner Smith. Volume One, Chapter Seven. While Celestina remained with Willoughby, the very tumult and agitation of her heart had sustained her courage, and like a fever that lends momentary strength to the patient it is destroying, this disorder of her spirits had supported her against the flood of tenderness that overwhelmed her as soon as she was alone, a conflict that began between her affliction for him and her duty and gratitude towards the memory of his mother, which was almost too severe to be endured, but however soft in her heart, her reason was equal to the task of checking a dangerous or guilty indulgence of that sensibility, and after long arguing with herself, she found she loved Willoughby better than everything but his honour and his repose. The first, and to probably the second, she saw too plainly that he must forfeit, by yielding to an affliction which circumstanced as he was, would perhaps be as fatal to both as certainly was to his pecuniary interest. She had heard Mr. Molyneux say, who had his reasons for repeating it before her, that nothing but his marrying a woman as opulent as Miss Fitzhaman could prevent his selling the greater part of his estates. And in that case, added he, I don't see how he can avoid disposing of Alveston too, for the income he will then have to think of keeping up such a place as that will be quite insanity. Celestina knew that no blow could fall so heavy on the heart of Willoughby as the cruel necessity of selling this his paternal seat, and though she was flattered and delighted when he had just before declared to her that to obtain her every deprivation would be easy, she knew, while she now more coolly reflected on it, his local attachment to be strong, that it was very probable his love would soon yield to the regret which would arise from their sacrifice. What would become of me, said she, as she meditated on this matter, were I to be the wife of Willoughby, and to see him unhappy that I was so? He would have broken his faith to his mother, he who has always been taught to hold the slightest promise sacred. He would see his estate dismembered, even Alveston, the place he so loves would pass into the hands of strangers, and it would be to me he would owe his indigence and his unhappiness. How dare I suppose that my affection, warm and sincere as it is, could make him any amends for all those mortifications? Oh, let me not suppose it, nor even think of risking it. I can bear to quit him now. I believe I can, but how should I endure to find myself the source of 
repentance to him how should i ever survive seeing him decidedly unhappy with the consciousness that he owed his being so to his partiality for me these reflections and above all the obligation by which he had bound himself to obey the last injunctions of his mother determined celestina as to the conduct she ought to adopt and having once seen it by the light lent by integrity and disinterested love to her strong and excellent understanding she hastened to execute it and certainly that he was engaged for the rest of the morning she had no sooner breakfasted than she told mrs molyneux that she was going to make some purchases for which she had occasion before she left london and getting into a hackery coach was driven into the city where she secured a place in the exeter stage which was to leave london at a very early hour the next day she returned to the house of mrs molyneux about twelve o'clock and then learned that she and her husband were engaged to dine at lord castlenoff's where a very large party were to assemble in the card which lady castlenorth had sent to invite them no mention was made of celestina nor was any separate card sent to her it is mere forgetfulness i fancy said mrs molyneux as she mentioned it to her you will go however as the ceremony of an invitation is not very material pardon me replied celestina it appears to me of so much consequence in the present case that i certainly shall not go without it i am indeed very glad to be excused and i am sure you will not urge me to violate etiquette in a matter which to forbear doing it is so particularly desirable mrs molyneux very solicitous about the contents of certain bandboxes with which her woman entered at that moment forbore to press her further and celestina desiring her to let her know when she was dressed that she might see her before she went retired to her own room leaving her friend to the pleasing and important occupation of the toilet in which half what is now called mourning was usually passed by matilda celestina had promised willoughby to give up for that day her intention of fixing her journey but this promise she thought herself well justified in breaking the entertainment at lord castlenoff's was given on his account of course he would be engaged the whole day and since she must go she desired nothing so much as to be spared the fruitless pain of a farther discussion of the subject and the misery which she was not sure her resolution would support of bidding him a last farewell a little after five however after she had undergone the form of sitting down alone to table where she eat nothing and had then retired to her own room mrs willoughby's woman came to say that her mistress was dressed celestina had once determined to tell mrs molyneux how soon she meant to quit her and to have taken leave of her 
but on reflection she thought her doing so might betray her resolution to willoughby from whom it was necessary to conceal it till it was actually executed she therefore intended to leave a letter of thanks and to take leave of mrs molyneux as if it was only till the next day but when the moment approached in which she was in reality to bid adieu perhaps for ever to the friend and companion of her infancy to the daughter of her beloved friend to the sister of willoughby her heart sunk within her and hardly had she the strength to go to the door of mrs molyneux's dressing-room on opening which she saw her friend standing before the glass putting the last finish to her very elegant dress while with her eyes fixed on her own figure she was arguing with more than her usual warmth with some person who sat beside her and who celestina presently discovered to be willoughby himself in boots and his hair out of powder his countenance was pale and dejected and while his sister talked to him he leaned with one arm on another chair and seemed rather musing than attending i'm glad you are come said mrs molyneux to celestina as she entered for here is george behaving quite absurdly he will not go he says to lord castlenorse though the dinner is made on purpose for him do celestina he minds your opinion always more than mine do try to make him understand how very observe and oddly he acts i have no talents celestina would have said but the words died away on her lips and before she could collect courage to finish the sentence molyneux who was now ready came in and seeing willoughby unprepared to go expressed his surprise in terms which were warmer than willoughby could hear with perfect command of temper surely sir said he i am my own master i am not disposed to go and i will not go and what am i to say cried mrs molyneux to lady castlenorth to my uncle and to my cousin just what you pleased replied he molyneux finding by the tone in which his brother-in-law spoke that he would not be dictated to now called his wife out of the room and willoughby and celestina were left alone it was now that all her fortitude and strength of mind were necessary her duty evidently was to persuade willoughby to accompany his sister and to complete a marriage which his mother had when dying enjoined a marriage so necessary to the acquisition of all that the world calls happiness in life and on which depended the continuance of the family estate in his possession but her heart refused to assent to what her reason pointed out as the conduct she ought to pursue and the affection he now so evidently had for her adding to the strength of her long attachment to him she found it impossible to urge his quitting her for ever though she thought she had yet courage enough to tear herself from him if she heard not his complaints 
nor witness his agonies while she combated her own. I cannot, I will not go to those people, said Willoughby after short silence. Why should I, since to marry Miss Fitzhaman would be the height of cruelty to her, since I am incapable of dissemination, since, in short, Celestina, I feel it to be impossible for me to live with her, to live without you, and I have determined to declare myself in writing to that effect. Celestina, whom this speech was not calculated to calm, answered, trembling, Indeed, I think you wrong, Mr. Willoughby. As your uncle, as your mother's brother, Lord Castlenorth has undoubtedly a claim to this mark of respect. It is not probably expected to be anything more than a visit of form, and surely you ought not rudely and without reason to decline it. If it were indeed meant only as a visit of ceremony, said he, it is in your power, however, interrupted Celestina, to appear to consider it so. Your not going must seem very extraordinary. Your going certainly leads to no consequence. If you think so, replied Willoughby, if you think I ought to go, but why did they not ask you? Why should they ask me? answered she. I'm almost unknown to Lady Castlenorth and in the little time I ever did see her, I appeared to be no favourite. Believe me, so far from being displeased, I am rejoiced at the omission. Insolent, odious woman, cried Willoughby, if anything could add to my dislike of her and her daughter, it would be the supercilious airs they gave themselves towards you in the short moment I saw them here, but my Celestina shall never be exposed to their insulting scorn, and if I myself this time undergo the punishment of keeping up the hateful farce which I have so unhappily been engaged in, it shall be with a determination to put an end to it. At this moment Mr. and Mrs. Molyneux entered the room, and Celestina, wishing them all an agreeable day, left it, having sustained with some difficulty the various emotions which were contending in her bosom. Willoughby soon after left the house, to dress at his own lodgings, which were in the neighbourhood, and having promised to join his brother and sister at dinner, they soon after departed themselves much better satisfied with him than they were before his short conversation with Celestina. End of Volume 1, Chapter 7 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.